Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M dot com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. So hello and welcome to your brand new episode of the Eurotrip podcast. It's me, James and Rob back with you again this Wednesday to bring you all the latest news from the world of the Eurovision Song Contest. But we must admit this week and potentially next week as well, everything we say may well be out of date by the time you hear it because there's, we say this every week, there's so much going on, Rob. Yeah, there is so much happening. There is something ridiculous, like 27 songs still to be revealed. And bear in mind, they all have to be done by Sunday next week. We're going to get songs being dropped just spontaneously. We're going to get that thing where somebody pops up on Twitter, a broadcaster that you've never heard of will appear saying, oh, we're releasing our entry in half an hour on Channel 4 Plus 9. And you'll go, oh... And you have to drop everything and you're in the middle of a Zoom call at work and they say, why are you distracted? And you go, oh, you wouldn't believe Azerbaijan are dropping their entry on their version of Daybreak in a minute. <laughs> oh, we live for this chaos, don't we? Oh, well, that's the thing. I, you know, earlier on today, I just went to make some lunch, came back and two countries went, here's a snippet of our song. Blimey, in half an hour, you two have both dropped a, just a snippet, just a snippet. Somebody should do that as a tactic, shouldn't they? A, a, a country go, here's 30 seconds of our song on a Monday. And then here's another 30 seconds on a Tuesday. And we'll piece it together like a jigsaw throughout the entire week. <laughs> no, I like that idea. I really, really do. Uh, just so you know, listeners, just to let you in on a little trade secret, uh, we record on a Monday. Uh, so it is currently Monday. Uh, if you're interested, it's, uh, it's a little bit cloudy. It's getting dark outside. Uh, probably a little bit too much information. But yeah, anything that has happened after today... So after Monday, before the podcast appears in your feeds on Wednesday, who knows? No man's land. We might have mentioned it. 
We might not. Who knows? So bear with us. We've got loads to bring you today, but some other things may well have happened, but I'm sure you can find out about that somewhere else. Indeed. Anyway, should we get on with it? It's time for the Euro trip. Let the dance macabre begin. Ladies and gentlemen, good evening and a very warm welcome. I know the only one show in the world that combines it all. Singing, music, dancing, traditional and ethnic styles. It's massive. It's twice the Super Bowl. It's like 200 million people. When we reach the end of the show in approximately three to eight hours, we will have a new champion. Now let's get to it. Are you ready to party Europe? It is easy what I say. What I say. This is the Euro Trip. Hello and welcome to the Eurotrip, your favourite Eurovision podcast with me, James. Me, Rob. And this week, another Eurovision winner, Cheryl Baker. That's right, it is brilliant to have yet another winner on the podcast. Cheryl, of course, famously part of Bucks Fizz, who won Eurovision in 1981 for the United Kingdom. Uh, she also went to Eurovision in Paris three years before that as part of Coco. So there is plenty to talk about, as you can imagine. But somehow, we ended up on the subject of roast dinners and how they played a role in her celebrations after winning the contest in 81. I went home. I went back to the council flat. My mum was there. She was the only one who didn't come to Heathrow because she said, Rita will want a Sunday dinner. So, so I went home to a Sunday roast. And, uh, and the next day, that's when the madness started. And hasn't stopped. That is just one of the plenty of wholesome little stories that we get from Cheryl Baker a little bit later in this week's big interview here on the Eurotrip. But as ever, as we always do every single week, we've got loads to jam into this week's episode. We will, of course, be speaking to another one of the national finalists who is hoping to represent their country at this year's Eurovision Song Contest. And this week, we're heading to Denmark to speak to one of the acts who's taking part in Dansk Melody Grand Prix. And before that, we will be hopping across the border. We'll be going to Germany because, of course, one of the songs that has polarised the fandom over the last few days is that of Jendrik. So we've caught up once again with our pals at ESE Compact. And I spoke to a man who has quite possibly the greatest name of all time. He's called DJ Douzepois. That is a fantastic name. So we're going to be catching up with uh, him a little bit later on as we round up all the latest news from the world of the Eurovision Song Contest. You're listening on Acast, on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. This is the Eurotrip. So that's right, you are listening to the Eurotrip, episode number 31. Although I'm not really sure we're doing numbers anymore since we keep dropping these bonus ones and Melfest Monday all over the place. But uh, anyway, you are very welcome to join us. It's a pleasure to have you with us as per usual. And you guys, as ever, have been getting in touch with us on uh, Twitter and on Instagram. We are at Eurotrip Podcast. It's lovely to have you guys getting in touch with us. Uh, Rob, have you got anything on your end? I do indeed. That You made that sound slightly sinister. You got anything <laughs> on your end? <laughs> I've uh, I've got a tweet from Jamie. Thank you very much for getting in touch. Uh, he said, I don't feel hate off of Germany's entry for this year's Eurovision. That uh, could be the most memorable one second song ever. I think you've got a point, Jamie. I mean, it's one of those where you hear the first second or so and you know exactly what song it is, don't you? Uh, we'll be talking about that song, by the way, uh, in a little while on the podcast. But uh, yeah, I think you've got a very, very good point. 
Absolutely. Uh, from one Jamie to another, uh, I've got a tweet here from another Jamie, as I say, saying, a great episode, guys. I uh, love the interview with Jake from Joe and Jake. He was very honest and open. And I don't know about anybody else, but I really want to hear all the other versions of You're Not Alone. And yes, so do I. Of course, we were joined by Jake Shakeshaft, who represented the UK in 2016 last week. And he said, I think there was about 40 or 50 different versions of You're Not Alone. And I am desperate, I don't know about you, Rob, to hear the disco version of that song. Do you reckon they're on like a hard drive that someone's put at the back of a cupboard and then they'll find it in a few years' time? As if like, you know, like when you sometimes, I was about to say, when you sometimes dig up a time capsule. I don't think that's <laughs> happened to anybody, has it? But you know what I'd... I mean? It's like when you're moving house and then you look in the back of a cupboard or the back of a bookshelf or something. You, What's this? And it's a memory stick with your art project on it from about 2009. I hope something like that will happen. Oh, dear me. Imagine, imagine. Uh, but anyway, last one from me. Uh, I've got a tweet from ESC James. Uh, they're at ESC UK 2014 on Twitter. Uh, sent us a very nice tweet on Friday saying, is there a new bonus podcast today? Uh, which there wasn't last week. But let me just say this right now. There may well be a little treat coming your way a little bit later on this week. So uh, keep your eyes peeled on this very podcast feed. Yeah, we got the green light for said bonus episode earlier on today. And I don't think I've ever been more excited about an email in my inbox, which probably says more about me than it does about what the email had in it. But anyway, you know what I mean. Uh, Very, very exciting. Uh, I can't believe we've managed it. James certainly can't. And you probably won't either. But that's, uh, that's for later in the week. Right now, though, we've already mentioned it. There's a lot going on. So it's time for this. be pleased to hear the news hat is back from the hattery as was mentioned on the podcast last week it is firmly on and is no longer covering my eyes on a windy day it will remain in place and it is time for the very latest eurovision news james we've already got our excuses in that a lot of this will probably be out of date by the time you're listening to it but uh you got any tips for me because you've been the one trying to wade through all of the headlines for the last couple of weeks I do indeed. I'm glad you asked, Rob, because you'll know that there's only one tip here on the Eurotrip podcast. Uh, it's my mantra, and it has been for the last few months. Kick. Confidence is key. I will take that and run with it, or at least try to. Let's see how this goes. I have a fear that I'll probably be heavy breathing about halfway through, because there is so much to get through. So apologies if you have to go through that, everybody listening at home. But uh, here we go. Uh, last week, we, of course, got four more songs for Rotterdam, uh, one of which was Germany's song, I Don't Feel Hate. More of that to come shortly. Uh, but the three others, we got Cyprus, the long-awaited El Diablo, finally dropped. Uh, Ireland, they released Maps, and Slovenia brought us Our Men. Let's have a little listen to those three. This is the way that I hope. Hey, the start, 
Now, talking of Amen, uh, yeah, we've got another song of that name in Rotterdam as well. It's all right. They've got all of the song titles in the world to choose from, but two countries have gone for the same one. Uh, Austria also have a song called Amen. Uh, Vincent Bueno revealed his song title and we'll be getting that song very, very shortly. Now, a number of countries are recording their backup performances, of course, as is required this year. Uh, They include Spain and Lithuania. Uh, Some other news we got, uh, Diodato and Il Volo are going to be performing at San Remo. Uh, The final semi-final in Melody Festival took place over the weekend. More, of course, on Melfest Monday. Uh, Goe, they recorded and have recorded and finished their final version of Shum. Still, very, very fun song title to say. Uh, There are strong rumours that Little Big will return for Russia. At the time of recording this, we're unsure, although there was an interesting interaction between one of the members of Little Big and the Eurovision Twitter account earlier on today. James, do you want to see him back? I'd absolutely do anything to see little big back at the contest so yeah bring it on define anything i would leave this podcast just to see them back let's hope they're back then that'll be exciting (laughs) Uh, a eurovision museum could be coming to Iceland. Yeah, you heard right. A grant was approved by the Icelandic government last week, which uh, could see an Eurovision-themed museum in Husavik, which was, of course, the setting for the fictional Eurovision The Story of Fire saga. And then we come on to this week, which is just going to be absolute chaos. Uh, San Remo started last night, so Tuesday night, and is going for the rest of the week. We'll, of course, get Italy's entry on Saturday. Actually, that's not true. We'll get Italy's entry probably at about four in the morning on Sunday, but more of that still to come. Uh, On Thursday, we're going to get these songs from the Netherlands and from Moldova. Uh, Natalia Gordienko, she released a little snippet of her song Sugar earlier on in the week. Let's have a quick listen to that. Now, I like that. I think that has got dirty Eurovision banger written all over it. Dirty Eurovision banger. I tell you what, if you release a song and Rob Lilly calls it a dirty Eurovision banger, you know you're doing something right. It's the sort of song that is enjoyed best with a double G&T in hand at about 1.30 in the Euro Club. You know the sort I mean? Oh, I've been there. I've been there and done that. So very much looking forward to that full song coming out tomorrow. Uh, On Friday, we're going to get Loco Loco from Hurricane uh, in Serbia, which is very, very exciting. And then on Saturday, we've already mentioned Italy. We're going to have their song from San Remo, of course. Also selecting on Saturday night, Denmark, Estonia and Portugal. Uh, Belarus, we think, are going to announce their act at some point this week. Uh, and also, the only thing we definitely know, uh, Vasil from Macedonia, or from North Macedonia rather, is going to be releasing Here I Stand on the 11th of March. As we've already said, there's going to be a lot there that hasn't been mentioned, but we can expect to happen. So, what am I meant to do? Very, very well done. Feel free to remove your little news fez that you've been wearing. Uh, Yeah, maybe by the time this goes out on Wednesday, loads of other things have happened or maybe loads of things that were due to happen have been pushed back a la San Marino last week, do you remember? Uh, But that was everything that we knew on Monday. So well done, Rob. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Uh, But that is not me done. I have a little bit more for you, a little bit of a little bit of a treat. Uh, I mentioned that we had four songs last week, Cyprus, Ireland, Slovenia, and Germany. 
Now, Germany released their song at the end of the week. It's called I Don't Feel Hate, uh, sung by Jendrik. Now, you might remember, here on this very podcast, our first episode of 2021, uh, we spoke to ESC Compact, and they said Jendrik is going to be representing Germany. So, you heard it here first. Well, not actually, so I heard it in ESC Compact, and then we contacted them, and then they told us that, you know what I mean. So, we thought we'd get back in touch, because ever since that song came out, that has... uh, polarised the community, it is safe to say. Uh, You'll hear me tell uh, Lars in a minute how much I love the song. I've called him Lars, but that's not the name he likes to go by. Lars has an alias. He is known as DJ Douzepoint, which I very, very much enjoy. So uh, DJ Douzepoint from ESC Compact joined me, and I started by asking him what his personal feelings were towards Yendrick's entry. Actually, my thoughts are really going back and forth all the time because sometimes I'm really enthusiastic about it and, and really like it. And, and then like this morning I woke up and thought like, I actually am already a bit tired of the song. And then there's like a moment when I'm starting a Eurovision playlist and the song comes first and I'm yeah, standing up and start kind of dancing already. So I'm, I'm really optimistic. Then we had the first uh, TV appearance of uh, Jendrik uh, on Saturday and on, on German television. And I was not too excited about it, maybe because I got some impression already. We saw the video. We need to talk about that. So it's kind of a complicated um, situation, but in a way it's positive because um, I'm, I'm really looking forward to it, how, how it will work in, in the Eurovision. And I'm happy that Germany chose something that is not so expected after all the songs that we've been sending over the last couple of years. So basically, I'm positive. That's the thing, isn't it? That The reaction has been, you've encapsulated it perfectly there. It's been one of people either love the song or they really dislike the song. And, and do you think that's a good thing? Because it means that people are talking about it, regardless of what they think about it. Well, definitely it is. I mean, that you just have to remember or think back two years when we had the sisters. No one really could remember their song or their appearance because it was just like nice, but nothing that you, no, neither the song nor the performance, nothing that would really be yeah special um, and could pop into your mind. So we on the blog on ESC Compact, we have a, a check. We, we always uh, ask like the people, how do you like the one? And then I like do some number crunching and we have something we call it the polariz- uh, polarizimator or something like that. So how polarizing the song is. And so I'm, I'm taking in here the people who are like really, really love the song and the number of people who really hate the song. And uh, sometimes when a song is like really popular, like Discotheque this year from, from Lithuania, from the group, then it's difficult like to, to, to meet that up or to, to weigh that up. But for Jendrik, of course, we have like almost an equal amount of people who really love it and an equal amount who really hate it. And I think this is exactly what we need and which will do well because then people might start a conversation about it and they might be surprised. And, and you saw that also um, on, on television and on Saturday. I'm sorry if I'm coming back to this again and again, but there were people in the audience, they're all um, COVID-19 negative, of course. They didn't know the song and they didn't know what to do out of it. And then it starts like really with a nice ukulele sound and people were like, oh yeah, it's nice. But then they were like turning like, wah, 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 is it enough? And then all of a sudden, it's what we call the car crash uh, in on ESC Compact, like this loud music that's really like this break. 
and people were like, wow, this is really something. And then they started like almost headbanging and then they're going back and forth again. I don't feel hate. I just feel sorry. You feel too very clever whenever you find another way to wear me down. I don't feel hate. I just feel sorry. So you can wiggle with me to think it'll never wiggle back to you. Cause I don't feel So it really got them engaged, and that's so good. So if it was only like this uh, sweet and nice uh, ukulele sound, people would have lost interest after a minute or so. But with those changes, uh, it keeps or it draws attention to the song. And this is good. And also, yeah, that people might really hate it and then also love it. What's great is is that we we spoke to, to you guys from ESC Compact on the podcast back in January when when Jendrik was was rumored to be representing Germany, but we couldn't have expected the sort of entry that we we have got from from you guys this year. Why do you think we've seen such a shift in? You mentioned sisters, but even in the last twelve months, because Ben Dolik's entry was so different to what we get from from Jendrik this year. Yes, uh, I don't know. So it's kind of a different thing. Your, your, your listeners probably are really aware of the weird German system, how we appoint our, um, our act, our, our song for the Eurovision Song Contest. It's just like too much thinking about it. It's not really like coming up from the heart, like 120 people in two different series. And um, I, I really do see a point there um, that when the, so many people are thinking like this song is better than so many others who were in the competition and who they were like judging on the song must have must have to have something and so did also violent thing last year when i when i heard it i was really in love it was my favorite last year and it does not usually happen for germans that you would favor your own song uh, but then i saw the performance of ben dolich uh, in the elbphilharmonie on the night when the eurovision song contest was supposed to be on and i was just like oh my god i almost like felt ashamed for like how insecure he felt to be on the stage he could not really celebrate it and so the combination of song and artist did not match or not work out at all and this year it seems to be different so the song itself is just like bland in a way so it's just like okay i would not like to hear it on the radio whatever i need to have a visual to it and this is where yendrik comes in if you only would see him as an artist it's like okay so he's a representative of Germany, are you sure? But if you all bring it together, it starts to make sense. I love it. I, I am, I'm definitely in the camp of, of very, very, very much enjoying Germany's entry this year. So I, I do hope that you guys do really well. And, and that was what I was going to ask next, actually. It, other than Michael Schulter, it's been really, really difficult for, for Germany, as it has been for Spain, as it has been for the United Kingdom in, in recent years. So do you think that Jendrik does have a chance of, of getting an improved position than, than what we've seen recently? Well, and uh, in the Eurovision, you mean, right? Because it's, I mean, he's not, not really known in Germany at all. And also we haven't seen it like uh, Benny uh, from, from UC Compact. He did a check like how well is the video doing on YouTube and how many streams there are. And actually the performance is worse compared to Ben Dolich last year, and which is kind of, yeah, interesting, but the music was more appealing last year. It was more contemporary in a way. Um, when it comes to the results, so what we have to see in Germany, I don't think that this is going to be a hit here in Germany uh, before the Eurovision. So depending on how well he can deliver and if he makes it to the top 10, 
it's going to be kind of a hit and people will really enjoy it and like it also in Germany. I see the potential. It's, it's not a big five thing that we are not making it always like to the top 10 spots. I remember being in Oslo um, 11 years ago, it is, right? And uh, there was like this discussion uh, before the performances um, on, on stage. Um, and, and I asked like, do you think that the big five countries will ever have a chance again to make it to the big five? And, and then like one of those scientists said like, just wait for Saturday to see. Uh, I doubt that maybe it's top 10, but then I'm really happy. And then like this, this miracle happened and Lena made it to victory and well, everything else is history. I think actually it's the question of how well the performance is and how well the song is, and then it can work. We have to deliver better than we did just in order to be there in, uh, in the front as well, in the front run. And I hope that Jendrik can be one of those acts. This is the Eurotrip. When you aren't listening, you can find us on social media. We're at Eurotrip Podcast. Warming you up for the Eurovision Song Contest. So a big thanks to Lars or DJ Duzpois, whatever you uh, whatever you fancy, for speaking to Rob a little bit earlier on in the week to speak about Yendrik's song for Eurovision 2021. Uh, of course, we've still got our big interview with Cheryl Baker still to come on today's episode of the Eurotrip. But now it is time to turn our attentions to national final season once again as we speak to another one of this year's hopefuls who's trying to represent their country at this year's Eurovision Song Contest. And for the first time on the Eurotrip, we are turning our attentions to Denmark. Now, their usual selection process, Dansk Melody Grand Prix, is taking place in Copenhagen this coming Saturday. And one of the eight artists in this year's competition is a duo made up of Alec and Chris. They go by the name of the Cosmic Twins. Uh, They already have talent show experience and have had a very fun introduction to the world of music, which you will hear about very, very shortly. But with a name like the Cosmic Twins... I just had to start off by asking if they really are twins. Yeah, I guess uh, you could have a conspiracy theory that said that we weren't, but I think we are. Like, uh, we can't, we haven't really confirmed, like, uh, scientifically, but I think, yeah. (laughs) We were born at the same time, at least. Yeah, okay. our, mom, our mom says so, so I think it's right. <laughs> uh, well, let's let's talk about your music and your career up until now, because I guess in Denmark, there'll be a lot of people who know who you are, but outside of Denmark, maybe not. So do you want to give us an idea of what your career has been like up until this point? Yeah, well, we, so... we started the Cosmic Twins in 2018, yeah. releasing an EP called Save Me. And then one week after, maybe two weeks max, we got contacted by DR... Okay, what a coincidence. DR is also hosting uh, Melody Country. But uh, we were contacted by DR back then, two, two and a half years ago. And um, they wanna, wanted us to participate in their uh, talent show called Live, where we performed some Fridays uh, at primetime in the national television. And um, yeah, then we've, we've been got, releasing uh, yeah. singles ever since and trying to just... Um, like getting further into the music biz because we basically started from scratch. We don't have any parents or didn't have anyone like playing music. Uh, uh, so yeah. we didn't knew anyone. So we just like trying to get further into this uh, music business. Yeah. And before we started the Cosmic Twins, we, um, we actually started out playing uh, Guitar Hero. That's the like thing 
where we got our inspiration from um, back when we were 13 and we are 25 now. So it's uh, a bit over 10 years. Do you feel in a position where you you are experienced enough to be performing on stage? You said you've got this experience from taking part in the other talent competition on DR. So do you think you've prepared yourself well enough for, for this competition already? Yes, it set us yeah. set us up really good um, live, the talent show. And we've played a lot live uh, ever since. We've all, almost got 100 shows uh, from the past two years and even playing in Sweden as well. And playing live is our main thing, I would say. It's where we um, is our best. And how much has Eurovision played a part in your life? Has, has it always been something you've watched? Has it always been something you enjoy? Or is it a fairly new thing for you guys? Well, we've always just watched it. It's yeah. not that we've been total fans of it, you know, like sitting every time uh, in front of it. But every time we just saw it, uh, like some clips online or saw it in, on television, it, it was just like, wow, that's cool. We want to be yeah. a part of that someday. Um, we didn't like think twice about how really? we got, yeah. how we would get into that show. So um, yeah. it just kind of happened. Uh, and we're so grateful that it happened. So give us an idea of how it did happen then, because yeah. did they pick up the phone to you guys or did you pick up the phone desperately wanting to take part? Give us <laughs> well, an idea of how it came about. It was actually both in some way, I would say. We were sending out some demos um, for like uh, to, to um, different labels here in Denmark. And um, one of them named uh, Anders uh, called back. Uh, yeah, Anders, that, from, yeah. he's from the arrangement. From the um, arrangement. Yeah. He uh, called back and said he wanted a meeting. And then the first thing he said to us when we, when we met was, do you want to win a Melody Grand Prix next, week, next year? <laughs> and then we were like, um, okay. We didn't even know that this was, uh, this was what you were wanted to talk about. But um, we all, he asked us and then... We said yes. So give us an idea about the the songwriting process for, for your song for, for this year. Uh, you can give us an idea generally, but you know, there's there's a certain songwriter on there I must ask about, Lisa, yeah. of course, and she has won Melody Grand Prix before and she's won Eurovision back in 2013. Yeah, yeah that, she's amazing yeah. to have on the team. And uh, it's just like, we can't say much about the songwriting content, uh, the process, unfortunately, but... Uh, it's just been amazing a journey and we've been mostly a part of the, the production. Um, so just to have all these amazing people on the team, we're so grateful for it. Uh, and we think it's, yeah, it, it just, the song just became like a really good song. Like initially it started, <laughs> I, I would say like initially it started out being like a, a ballad almost, uh, and then it just was a toy piano of, instead of the yeah. saxophone. It and has so a melancholic, yeah. like too almost too melancholic and dark. Yeah. So and then uh, it took us five demos to reach where we are now. Shooting silver bullets through my heart. I was foolish to believe you one more time. You're the queen of cruelty. Shooting silver bullets through my heart 
And yeah. can you tell us much about what we can expect uh, on the Saturday night, on the night of the, the final? Because, of course, uh, your song is very uh, electronic, if I can put it in, in that way. And yet there's going to be an orchestra there. So how is that mix going to work? Yeah, it's that's going to work so well. Um, we can't. We've been told that we aren't allowed to say much about it, but unfortunately, um, but the band is the best you can find in Denmark. So it's going to be so nice to, um, I, I can't wait to listen back to it um, <laughs> after the, the sixth. And um, I think they, they give something unique to it. Yeah. Uh, it is, as you say, very electronic. So yeah. having a band playing as well, yeah is just going to be a, a really great mix of the new age uh, music versus like no, something nostalgic. And I think that's going to be very cool. And of course, to win, you have to have people who pick up the phone and vote for you. So one last question for me is, what message do you have for the people of Denmark who you want to be voting for you and your song? If you want a up-tempo a party song that also has a deeper meaning to it <laughs> then vote for us because <laughs> we will do our best to give our all on stage and try not to disappoint you this is the euro trip so thank you very much to the cosmic twins for chatting to us on the podcast this week good luck to them in denmark good luck to all of the other contestants in uh, Melody Grand Prix this weekend, of course. Uh, what are you going to watch, James? Because you've got a lot of options this Saturday. It's another one where we need multi-screen. Oh, not this question again. We discussed this a couple of weeks ago here on the podcast, didn't we? Where we, I think we needed about five or six TV screens for Saturday night. And it's exactly the same again. Oh, I don't know. I, I don't think I can break my allegiance to Melfest again. So I think I'm going to have to stick with that and watch God knows how many others on catch-up. I hope you're not going to break your allegiance to Melfest. Otherwise, that could make for a very ropey Melfest Monday <laughs> when we try and talk through the action that you've not seen. I hope not. Uh, don't forget, of course, you can listen to all of them and watch them, rather, more importantly, on eurovoir.tv if you want to. All the links will be on there on Saturday night. Uh, but right now, it is time for our big interview. Uh, we've already mentioned her a little bit earlier on, but this is who's joining us. Hi, it's Cheryl Baker here, and you're listening to the Euro Trip. That's right. She is one of those artists who is synonymous with the Eurovision Song Contest, especially if you are from the UK, as both me and James are. Uh, she is Cheryl Baker. She is one fourth of Bucks Fizz, the group that won the Eurovision Song Contest for the United Kingdom in 1981. Uh, so the first UK winner we have had on the podcast. Delighted to have her on. And she has got quite the experience of Eurovision. Of course, she represented the UK twice uh, as part of Coco in 1978, and then again as part of Bucks Fizz in 1981. So we talk all about that. And don't forget, if you want to get in touch with any comments on this interview, you can do. Uh, we are at Eurotrip Podcast. And we also have our email as well, hello at eurotrippodcast.com. But I started the interview by asking Cheryl whether she was always destined to become a singer. I wanted to be a singer from as far back as I can remember. I'm the fourth of five children. And my oldest sister, the oldest in the family, she's 11 years older than me. So when I was a very young girl, she was already buying Buddy Holly and the Crickets and um, the Everly Brothers, 
and Elvis Presley and all that kind of stuff. And I just remember listening to this music and thinking how astonishing it was, especially the Everly Brothers, because they used their voices in harmony. Mm. And that was the thing for me. Even as a young child, I thought, that's what I want to do. I want to be a singer in a band, sing in harmony. I didn't honestly think it would happen. So at school, I studied a secretarial course and left school at 16 and got a job as a shorthand typist for five years, that was, so before I joined my first band. What was the transition between the job that you said you had there and then and then being in that first band? You know, was that a thing where you were performing at the weekends while you had that job or, you know, how did that sort of work? No, I didn't really. Um, I, I had the dream I wanted to be in a band. I also, my ultimate dream, believe it or not, was to win the Eurovision Song Contest because when I saw Sandy Shaw win in 1967, I thought that's the, that's the equivalent of a, a gold medal at the Olympics because at the time I wanted to be a runner as well and win a gold medal. So I'm still looking forward to that one. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, so, so that was my ultimate aim was that, but it was a pipe dream because I thought that's not going to happen to a girl who lives in a council flat in Bethnal Green. And Bethnal Green, by the way, then was not the place to be. It was the place not to be, you know, it was a very poor area of London. Now I couldn't afford to live there, but um, but then, you know, it was, uh, it left a lot to be desired. But the reason that I made the transition to be a singer was I saw an advert in the, either the New Musical Express or the Melody Maker, one or, one or the other. And it said, it, it had magic words for me. It had girl singer required for harmony band and, but then it said, must have experience, and I didn't have any. So um, I thought, well, do you know what? Let's go for broke, and I rang, and, um, and I got an audition, and that was it. The first band I joined, shortly after, like a few months after I joined them, which was October 1975, in the February or March of 1976, I did my first song for Europe from the, um, from the Royal Albert Hall, and lost to Brotherhood of Man by two points. What could have been? <laughs> well, what was eventually? But it was eventually. When it happened eventually, I was ready for it. In 1976, I really wasn't. I'd been a singer, a professional singer, for three or four months. Hmm, was it that long? It was late October, November, December, January. Yeah, about three and a half months. So I wasn't ready. I hadn't hurt my stripes yet. <laughs> so this is, of course, Coco that you're talking about. And it was, yeah. it, it was two years later that you eventually did go back to Song for Europe. You won. You represented the United Kingdom with with them, of course. Can you just tell our listeners, because because our, our listeners might not they might not realise just how much competition there was to be representing the United Kingdom, and just how big some of the names were that Coco beat out to to represent the UK at that time. There was, I mean, in the very first one when I when we lost to Brotherhood of Man, uh, there were some huge singers that you know now when you look back, it's uh, they're historic, but there was um, Tony, oh, what's his name? This is the way to Amarillo here. Christy. Tony Christy, thank you. There was Frank Ifield. I remember you. It was, it was the thing to do. I mean, everybody wanted to be in the Song for Europe and represent the country in the Eurovision. And up to that point, of course, up to 1976, it had always been the likes of Cliff Richard, Olivia Newton-John, The Shads. They did um, a series of shows on a Saturday night and you would write in to say which song you liked and that was how they chose it. 
So 76 was quite groundbreaking when they opened it to anybody, whether they were experienced or not, including the songwriters. You know, it was open to everybody to, to enter a song. Um, and I was very lucky. I mean, 76 to be a runner-up in the Song for Europe, 78 to win and represent my country in Eurovision, and 81 to get the chance to do it all again. I mean, really, it's phenomenal. On your first trip to Eurovision in, in 78, not a bad host city to go to because you got to go to Paris. You know, can, can, can you remember what it was like when you actually, you know, set foot on the tarmac in Paris and thought, you know, this is us. We're here to represent the UK. We were tipped to win, as I think at that time the UK always was, because we were always in the top three. You know, we came second 15 times, didn't we? Which is crazy. Um, uh, so I was thinking, oh, we've got a really good chance of winning. I mean, our outfits were quite extraordinary. The song was, I thought, a very good song, The Bad Old Days. As, as, um, prov as proven by how it did in the charts after Eurovision. Yeah, yeah, it, 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 uh, it was to a top 20 hit, which was amazing. very well in the Eurovision but it didn't and, and I must say as well the Paris Eurovision doesn't compare at all to the Dublin one three years later it's it was a bit formal and we were all there were no sort of times when you get together and have a bit of a laugh and everything it was all everyone was kept separate and it was all very you UK um do, do your photos now and now do your your uh, rehearsal and and then to lose like to come 11th, which at that time was the worst the UK had done, I felt like I'd let the Queen down. And I went back to the hotel. Every, all the rest of the band went out clubbing. I went back to the hotel to cry and to me cup of tea, you know. And I was it, was, it was not the greatest time for me, I'll be perfectly honest, because I was so looking forward to this, my dream, representing my country in Eurovision. And for it to fall so flat, was really, it knocked the wind out of my sails, you know? Um, and I came back home thinking, oh, that's it, I'm done with that. That's my dreams finished, my dreams shattered on the ground. Let's just get on with being an artist and performing and everything. Um, and I stayed with Coco for another couple of years. And then I left to go back to what I was doing before being a singer. I went back to being a secretary. I went back for um, about six months working in the recording studio that Coco used. Um, doing backing vocals for different artists, answering their phones, typing their letters. Thankfully, in came a woman, Nicola Martin, who I'd met through my Coco days, who said, why are you here? And I said, oh, I've left Coco. And she clocked this, and then shortly after, she asked me in Buxton. Yay! Such a remarkable turnaround in such a short space of time. That's, you know, that's what really strikes me from that. I was reading earlier, and I don't know whether this is true, and I almost hope it is, just because I'm fascinated about the idea of this, that Making Your Mind Up, the song, existed and had been accepted into A Song for Europe before Bucks Fizz existed to sing it. Nicola Martin's boyfriend, Andy Hill, wrote Making Your Mind Up. He also wrote a lot of other songs, mm. and they put them all in, and two were chosen for The Song for Europe. One was a song called Have You Ever Been In Love?, which after the Eurovision um, was a big hit for Leo Sayer. And the other one was Making Your Mind Up. And once it got through, once it was accepted, it was a demo. It, the demo was put forward for the Song for Europe. And when that was accepted, 
then they had to put a group together. And on that demo, the male voices was Andy himself, Nicola Martin did all the girls' vocals, and the other boy who did the vocals was Mike Nolan because he was a friend of Nicola Martin. So, you know, it's... Uh, and then when they, when she said, do you want to be in Bucks Fears? To me, you know, I went to her house and she played. They played the song on the piano, which didn't sound great, I've got to be honest. But um, but I did, I thought, yeah, that could stand quite a good chance, actually, you know. So um, so I said, yeah, I'll do it. And that was it. I was in Bucks Fears. You, you, you won, of course, as you've said. You go to Dublin, which you've said already was, you know, incomparable, really, to, to the experience that you've had that you'd had in Paris for a variety of reasons. Yeah. But before we talk about, you know, the positives of, of that experience, I, I was reading earlier on when I was prepping for the interview about the the IRA thing with you guys yeah. going to Dublin. And you, you were under surveillance, well, not under surveillance, you were, you were under security protection the entire time you were there because, you know, that was at the height of the troubles over in Ireland. Yeah. And, you know, when you're young, you're stupid, aren't you? You don't think of the danger, you think of the excitement. So the fact that we had armed guards on our doors at the hotel, our hotel was separate from all the other delegations. Um, everywhere we travelled, we travelled in our own coach, not with any of the other countries, just our own coach. We had outriders on motorbikes. We were whizzing through the town, going through red lights, opposite side of the road. I mean, and we're going, woohoo, yeah, not thinking you're a target for the IRA, just thinking, whoa, this is exciting. Yeah, but, um, but it was, it was exciting. And actually when we did get together, um, you know, with all the other countries, listen, this was in Ireland, they have the best parties, they know how to have a good time. And we really did. And like you said at the beginning, this was not comparable to, to Paris. This was the greatest experience for me, despite, whether we won or lost. It was the most amazing experience and I loved every minute of it. You are remembered for the performance. You are remembered for winning Eurovision. It's not remembered that you only just won Eurovision. There was only four points in it. Yeah, yeah. And it was, if you listen to, um, to if you watch it back on YouTube or something, you, you'll hear Terry Wogan. And there's, at the toward the end, because we got, I can't remember how many points we've got, but, but they, he said, that's it. I don't think they can be beaten. So it literally was down to the last vote. Ireland, seven points. Irlande, sept points. Most countries scored very well. That's it. United Kingdom. United Kingdom, eight points. That's it. I don't Royal think they Mimi, can be caught. In fact, I'm sure they can. Twelve Alemania, points to Germany. And they're going to be in second place. They're going to be in second place. Thank you very much for your vote. third place is passed to 125, but you can see it flashing. United Kingdom have done it again. Heavens. Heavens, they've done it again. If we hadn't got any votes from the last um, the last judge or the last country, uh, that would have been it. We, you wouldn't have been talking to me now. You'd have been talking to Lena, was it, from Germany? <laughs> <laughs> you've, uh, you, you've already talked about what an amazing time you had in Dublin, just because, as you say, Ireland, parties, brilliant. What about the Saturday night after you win Eurovision? That's the ultimate party. Or is it 
we've got so much press we have to do now we've won Eurovision there isn't a chance to go out and celebrate um what we did again because of security we were rushed straight back to the hotel because that's where our that's that was our secure area you know so and unfortunately none of the other countries could come because of exactly that reason so it was a very private party in the hotel and of course the buses was flowing and yes we did all the press i remember standing on a on a stage um the four of us and we were completely surrounded front back and sides by cameras and looking out and thinking that's it my life's just changed go back to the hotel um, congratulated by everybody that was there and then I said I have to go up to my room and ring home and I rang my council flat in Bethel Green and my sister Sheila answered the phone and she went ah oh, it's Rita it's Rita you know my room and I um, and I heard the cheer go up and all my family and friends were crammed into my tiny little front room in that flat and Sheila I was born in that block of flats and Sheila said it was just so wonderful because I think all the neighbours looked on me as their family because they'd seen me grow up, you know. And uh, and she said they all came out on the balcony and were dancing up and down the balcony. I get upset talking about this. And um and, and the people were on the opposite side and the other the other block of flats opposite. They threw their windows open and were cheering, you know. And I just thought then I don't want to be here. I want to be home. And the next morning. We, um, we had photo sessions again um, for all the UK newspapers. And then we flew back to Heathrow. And I walked into the arrivals lounge at Heathrow and I saw all of my family that made banners. They were playing the music on cassette players. And my dad was there and I fell to my knees, crying my eyes out. And that, that kind of released the tension for me. We went, I went home, I went back to the council flat. My mum was there. She was the only one who didn't come to Heathrow because she said, Rita will want a Sunday dinner. So, <laughs> so I went home to a Sunday roast and, uh, and the next day, that's when the madness started and hasn't stopped. Well, it has paused this last year. <laughs> yeah. That's got to be one of the best Sunday roasts or the best Sunday roast you've ever had, Honest. presumably. Honest. Yeah, it was amazing. What well, you talk about the success of the song and everything that followed. So you were number one, I think, in eight countries, which is just remarkable. You char char charted in even more. Number one in, you're telling me I was wrong. Number one in how many? Nine countries. <laughs> Apologies. <laughs> number one in nine countries. You you were, you know, number two, number three, number four, towards the top of the charts in, in many, many, many others a, across the world. What followed was a, was a world tour. Four, as you say, for... For, for somebody who grew up in that council flat in Bethnal Green, how do you reflect on performing that song on all corners of the globe? It was extraordinary. I mean, everywhere we went, I used to pinch myself to think how lucky I was. The first um, long haul flight we did, I think, was to Australia. And my brother lives in Australia. So I saw him for the first time in years. He was at the airport and, again, fell to my knees, crying my eyes out, you know. And, and he followed us around then. He, he, was with, he was with our party, whatever we did. Colin and Leone, his wife, were there with us, which was fantastic for me. Then we went to Japan. I mean, really. And Philippines and Brazil and Chile and, of course, all over Europe. Um, and it was just wonderful. It was wonderful. And, uh, and another thing, we flew everywhere first class but what we didn't 
No, what we weren't told was they recoup all of that out of your royalties. So we're <laughs> paying for it. But you know what? I wouldn't change a day because it was extraordinary. It was extraordinary. It was the most amazing time. And I'm the luckiest girl to think that I did all that stuff. Now, talking about the fizz, which is, you know, something which you are getting to enjoy performing when you can, of course. Right now, you know, 40, 40 years after you won Eurovision, you're still able to go out there. You've still got your hordes of fans who love everything you do. How special is it that when you are able to, you are still are able to do that with, with your friends? Well, if you'd have asked me this question 40 years ago when we won the Eurovision and said, in 40 years' time, you'll still be... I'd have said, you don't be daft. 40 years' time? Ridiculous. You know, maybe five years' time. I wouldn't have dreamt that I'd still be doing it and still ripping the skirt off. Um, but I love it. I love it. And I think that a lot of people say that I... I come across as younger than my years I think it's my state of mind and I do think that performing is a great part of that because I love performing I love dancing I love leaping around on the stage I love singing harmonies and and you know we were very lucky that we had a lot of hit records and since being the fizz you know in the last few years We've recorded three albums with Mike Stock from Stock Aiken and Waterman. And so we're promoting songs from that as well. And the Fizz fans love it. You know, we've got a fan club. You've got a fan club 40 years after winning Eurovision. That's astonishing. We mentioned it there, 40 years since you won the Eurovision Song Contest. I'm going to ask you, fingers crossed, about what hopefully we'll get from, from you guys later on in the year, maybe. But all that time has passed. How do you look on Eurovision now is it still a contest that you enjoy is it you know it, it, it's incomparable to obviously when you guys did it but but equally comparable in so many ways at the same time i think it's far better now than it ever used to be i mean if you look at the eurovision when uh, when we won um the venue was pretty big but not as big as the venues they use now and also the audience looked like it was full of stuffed shirts you know and and they were all applauding politely and that and now it's fantastic and it was the, the atmosphere and all the little pop-up bars and cafes and restaurants and and everyone dressed in crazy clothes colorful and everybody cheering everybody on the atmosphere was phenomenal and electric and happy and there was no animosity and it was you know i just thought if only the world was like this all of the time and the competition everyone cheering and now you have the fans in the auditoriums rather than the stuffed shirts, rather than just the record companies and the production companies. You've got the people that really matter, the people who actually want to go out there and buy your music and see you perform, you know. So I would say that it's better than ever before, personally. And I, my dream this year, because it's our 40th anniversary, was to get me, Mike and Jay out to Rotterdam um, for this year's Eurovision, but you know, Unfortunately, that won't happen, which is a great shame. But but hopefully, lots of other things will, we hope. You know, is there anything in the pipeline for, if you can, later on in 2021 to celebrate the anniversary? Well, we'll be, uh, we'll be carrying on with our Up Close and Personal tour, which we started last year. But we only did three gigs before lockdown happened. So um, we'll be carrying that on. A lot of the gigs are this year in the autumn. And a lot of them are also in 2022. They've been pushed forward that far. But we should have been recording a 40th anniversary album in the autumn of last year, 
ready to release now. And again, because of COVID, we couldn't do it. We're going in the studio, time permitting, COVID permitting, soon with Mike Stock to do the album for the 40th anniversary. So that'll be out. And there will be gigs. You know, we've still got, we've got festivals in. We've got um, 80s weekends, which are the greatest fun. Um, and we get a lot of fans from those 80s weekends because we're one of those bands that if you weren't a fan back in the 80s, we're one of those bands that when you see it, you think, oh, I forgot they did that one. Oh, I forgot they did that one. And then they, and I say to them at the end of the show, you know, we've got a fan club, go and Cheryl, Mike and Jay, the biz. And they, and we get loads of fans come from that. So it's great. So there you have it, Cheryl Baker joining us on the Eurotrip podcast. Thank you very much to Cheryl. Good luck to her and the rest of the Fizz as well for their 40th anniversary. It is brilliant to have Cheryl on because March 2021 does indeed mark 40 years since Making Your Mind Up won a song for Europe. So uh, timely, it's safe to say. And uh, fab to hear all of her memories on this week's podcast. And... Also great to get a mention of a roast dinner. What's your meat of choice? Which is not a question I often ask. <laughs> I think I just have to go for the chicken. Again, this is not a conversation I thought we'd have not on the podcast. Not the chicken. Oh, come on! Chicken is such the base. It's such a basic option, right? And what's wrong with Ch- that? Chicken is. I can't be bothered to make a roast, so I'll have chicken. That's what chicken is. And I presume you'd go for some sort of pretentious option like you would usually. What, like a venison? <laughs> <laughs> no, I always, I always get the most enjoyment out of a uh, out of a bit of pork. Well, you heard it here first, everybody. Rob Lilly gets a lot of enjoyment from a bit of pork. <laughs> always on a Sunday as well. Always tradition. Anyway, we're distracting from the point that it was wonderful to have Cheryl on the podcast this week. Uh, she had... I think I say this every week, don't I? She had so many fantastic stories. And I think I always say this every week as well. Rob, that was one of my favourite interviews you've ever done. That was me thinking you were going to call her open and honest, which is the <laughs> other thing I think you do every week. But yeah, great to have Cheryl on. Uh, thank you very much. But right now, as we always end, it is time for one of us to make a fool of ourselves in the one second song. That's absolutely right. If it is your first time listening, or if you want a quick refresher the one second song is the part of the show where we play you guessed it uh, one second of a eurovision song the first second to be precise and all you have to do is guess which song it is who the artist is which year it took part in the contest and which country it was representing and it's me choosing this week after rob did it last week so for you listening at home and for you as well rob here's this week's one second song what on earth is that? Have <laughs> you not got any ideas on that one? You are usually pretty confident. Have you been going through your grandma's tapes again? Is this what's <laughs> happened? Is this one a bit tricky? Uh, a bit tricky is putting it mildly, I think. Uh, can, I, can I have a listen again? Go on. Here it is for the second and, I assure you, final time. Right then. Uh, probably not written by Thomas G, son, is it, that? <laughs> This is going to be a complete guess. Uh, if you turn around and tell me that's bigger than us, I'm going to be also surprised. Although it was about as um, artistically challenging as that entry, potentially. Oh, I don't know, James. I don't know. Uh, I'm going to say 1971. 
it was from the Finnish singer Helma Holoop. And the song was called Helsinki, I Love You. (laughs) Wow, that's the first time you've ever had to make a complete guess for a one-second song. Let me put you out of your misery straight away and tell you you've got zero points. It wasn't Helsinki, I Love You. It wasn't Helsinki, I Love You. It wasn't. but let me remind you about something you said on last week's podcast uh, when we found out that I was going to choose the song and you said, and I quote, already, I'm pretty confident. And uh, in reply, I said, I'll just pick something from 1963 if you think you're that confident. And you followed that up with, I've made a little note in my notepad. So clearly, you didn't look back at your notepad, did you, from last week? Either that, or what's more likely, James, is I lied to you on last week's episode, which I definitely did. Let me flick through the pages here. What have we got here? We've got a shopping list. Uh, we've got, uh, it's Mother's Day on the 12th of March. We've got that noted down there. Uh, yeah, nothing about 1963. Well, as you can imagine, it, it was from 1963. Probably the oldest song we've ever had on the One Second Song. Uh, I don't know how you didn't get this one, because obviously it's... it's uh... So one of your big favourites uh, from 1963 it was the United Kingdom's entry that year. It was Ronnie Carroll with Say Wonderful Things. Say wonderful things to me I think you're wonderful too Say wonderful things to me Especially Well, always nice to have Ronnie on the podcast. Luckily for him, he did finish in the fourth place for the UK back in uh, 1963 with 28 points. Very nice, wholesome 28 points finishing in fourth place. I imagine fourth place would have been a devastating result for the UK back in 1963. <laughs> the BBC would have been questioning our participation back then. But uh, yeah, Ronnie, thank you for giving us this week's One Second Song. Much appreciated. And uh, hopefully next week we return with a one-second song that is uh, certainly more guessable for you at home. Forget about us two. 1963, for goodness sake. But if you did guess that one correctly, credit to you, and please do get in touch with us at Eurotrip Podcast on Twitter, because... And don't lie, do get in touch if you did get it right. I'm not having hundreds of you get in touch saying, yeah, of course, I got that Ronnie Carroll, one of my favourites. No, if you got it right, let us know on Twitter. Give your grandma a play about Ronnie Carroll. Let us know what she thinks of it next week. (laughs) I will do. I will do. I got a lovely text from her the other day. Did I tell you this, Rob? She said, I'd love to know more about your Melfest Zoom call. Who was the Eurovision winner you had on your Zoom call? So it's not just the listeners that want to know. Your grandma really wants to know as well. She does. Nice to to know we've got at least one listener anyway. (laughs) Do you think that's what our listeners are? It's just your grandma can't quite work out how to listen, so she keeps pressing the play button and it counts every time. I hope that's what it is. We think we've actually got hundreds of listeners where it is just my grandma pressing play, 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 play constantly every single day (laughs) anyway uh, we've gone well off track yet again but it is time to end the second but not final episode of the euro trip for this week as we teased a little bit earlier on we've got something very very special coming your way on uh we'll say friday it may well come thursday but definitely by the end of the week something very special coming your way 
Yeah, and we promise we're not doing that thing where somebody goes, oh, we've got a massive announcement. And then the massive announcement is like an announcement for another announcement or something like that. I promise you it isn't that. We have something huge coming for you later in the week that we promise you nobody has. So yeah, stay tuned for that. Very, very exciting. As I said earlier on in the podcast, couldn't quite believe that email when it uh, dropped in my inbox, but delighted all the same. Absolutely. So stay right here in this very podcast feed. I mean, well, don't stay here for the entire week. You can do if you like and just sit there and wait. But feel free to do other things between now and Friday. But like I say, we will be back at the end of the week for something extra special. But until then, don't forget to subscribe, leave us a review and rate us five stars. From me, James, for the second time this week, it's goodbye. And from me, Rob, with the news that Bulgaria will be revealing their song on March the 10th, it's goodbye. Of course they are. Happy to know, why, why would you have an art project on a hard drive? <laughs> of all the subjects for me to pick, why did it go art? The thing is, because of the delay, I didn't want to interrupt you either, so I just had to let you roll with it. Of all the subjects I could have chosen, I went to <laughs> arts. <laughs>